and welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about romantic reincarnated renovation so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Midnight Bayou by Nora Roberts. Joining us to discuss this Mardi Gras episode of Nora Roberts' Extreme Home Makeover is reluctant 2020 participant Christine. Hi, Christine. Yo. Yo. I'm Thanks sorry. for letting us conscript you. No problem. I'm real sorry I made you read that alliteration. I I rose to the challenge, I think. You did quite well. I'm super impressed. At least I fucked it up way less than I fucked up several other introductions (laughs) to this show. So (laughs) I'm going to mark that in the win column for me. Start off 2020 on a good note. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're if you're just joining us for Worst Bestsellers, you might not know of our intense love for Nora Roberts, which began a few years ago. Um, I believe that the first one we read was Black the one, Hills. yes, Black Hills, um, and it really was something where this was hands on the most pleasant surprise we've had with Worst Bestsellers is just like how good Nora Roberts is. Because I think we both went into it with the expectation just simply of like, well, she's written like 200 books. They're probably not that good, but they are though. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there have been times where we have purposely read like when we read A Princess in Theory, right? We went into that knowing this is a good book. We are reading it. Even though we know it's a good book. We know the author's good, but also we know that this this prince premise is something that some people might look down upon, even though this author has like a good reputation. Yeah. It was like, well, this is emblematic of something in the genre. So we're going to read it, but we, you know, pretty much know it's going to be good. Nora Roberts was absolutely like in our minds, or at least in my mind, I shouldn't speak for Renata. I was like, Oh, here's another James Patterson type person. I'm sure this will be fucking whatever. And we were (laughs) so charmed by it. (laughs) So charmed. And ever since, we have done uh, at least one additional Nora Roberts book per year, sometimes two. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a treat to ourselves, to be honest. We deserve yes. this. Uh, and Christine, who after we, re- after we read the first one, uh, Christine, who is my cousin's wife, was like, oh my god, I can lend you a box full of Nora Roberts books. I also think they're so good. And uh, so ever since, when... We have uh, tackled Nora Roberts books uh, about 50% of the time. We have Christine come back as our resident Nora Roberts expert. I put on my resume now. <laughs> it's really helped me uh, just move forward in my career. <laughs> and that's that's one more service we provide here at Worst Bestsellers. <laughs> hey, this podcast should move forward someone's career. And it's not going to be mine, so... <sighs> Um, so Nora Roberts, I mean, she writes, uh, she also writes as J.D. Robb, who, is all, who we have also have read one of her books. But the Nora Roberts books are romance or romantic suspense, as opposed to the J.D. Robb, which are like mystery with a hint of romance, more like. Yeah, I mean, there's I a lot of J.D. Robb in both of them. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to know more uh, about J.D. Robb, go listen to that episode. I, ca- I cannot get into it right now. <laughs> we have so much to discuss just about Nora. True. Um, so this book, this is an older one, is from 2002, which, as we were just discussing, it's almost 20 years ago, but let's not dwell on that. 
Um, but we picked it because uh, when we asked Christine if she wanted to join us again, she said, sure. Um, here's a list of what Nora books I've read recently and little summaries. And this one jumped out at us for a couple reasons. Um, my reason was that the sidekick character is a, a New Orleans lad named Remy, which uh, means, as Christine pointed out, that basically um, that is Gambit from the X-Men making an appearance in a Nora Roberts book. And that's all it took to get me on board. Yeah. Uh, it also has ghosts in it. It also has ghosts in it, which I like um, as well. But that more was Kate's special interest was the, the haunted house aspect. Yes. Um, and before we get any further into it, I just want to throw out a content warning. Um, there's some mm, like yes. mild discussion of sexual assault. There is a sexual assault in this book, but it is not hugely. It happens at the beginning and then is referenced again once later. It's not, not graphic, in- but it was startling to like pick up this book and and get like right into it. Yes. Which I remember uh, when we Renata and I saw each other in person uh, a couple days ago. She had started this and I had not. And she was like, uh, so it starts with a murder? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a rape murder and murder. Happened yeah. on, like the fourth page of rape and murder. Isn't that how so every that- great love story starts? <laughs> uh, well, uh, uh, also, this one technically, it technically begins with just a nature prologue of an owl eating a mouse or something or a rabbit or something. <laughs> Isn't that how every great love story starts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Twilight does start with that prologue of like running through the woods with a deer. So, yeah, <sighs> she stole it from Nora. <laughs> anyway, so this, yeah, it, it begins with a nature prologue, and then it begins in the year eighteen ninety nine with um, this. There's a there's a whole love story in the past. Which is there's um, this a wealthy, girl Abigail. Yeah, this girl Abigail who's a, who had been a maid to this wealthy family whose last name is Manet. Or do you just know audiobook? Do they say it Manette? What is their name? Manet. Manet. Great. So uh, the Manet family, they are wealthy and mostly evil. <laughs> and it's their mom is Josephine, who's evil. And then she has had twin sons, Julian, the evil twin, and Lucian, the good twin. Good-ish. Anyway. And Lucian has fallen in love with his maid, Abigail, and they've gotten married. And everyone else in the family and kind of in society is like, gross, she's poor, like, you know, ruining your reputation, blah, blah, blah. Um, And Lucian's like, I don't care. I love her. Uh, They had a baby. They had a baby. Marie Rose. Lucian, one one night when Lucian is away on business um, prior to this big New Year's Eve ball that they're going to have, Abigail wakes up in the night because the baby is awake and goes up to tend to her and sends uh, the baby's nanny away, who is a friend of hers from back in the poor people area, mm-hmm. and is like, you can have the night off. I'm going to hang out with the baby. So her friend leaves. Uh, and that is when Julian drunkenly stumbles into the nursery and uh, he's like a terrible monster human and immediately in front of the crying baby attacks Abigail, assaults her, and then strangles her to death. Yeah. <laughs> like real fast. <laughs> Chapter one in a matter of pages. And then the mom, Josephine, comes and is like, 
Oh, well, we'll just have to cover this up then. And so they uh, put her body in the river and they're like, it's fine, a crocodile eat it. And um, we'll pack up some of her clothes so it looks like she ran away. And people will believe it because she is just like gutter trash anyway. Bye. And then we cut to the year 2002. Yes. And 2002 uh, finds us meeting Declan Fitzgerald, who is a big time fancy Boston lawyer who has recently given up practicing the law to move to New Orleans to renovate a big uh, New Orleans mansion the Manet estate. Yes. Which he had visited once drunkenly with his college BFF Remy. And the second he got there, he something in the house called to him and he hasn't been able to forget it for like the intervening 15 years. So when the house went up on the market, he decided to buy it because he is very rich and can just decide to buy giant old houses. Mm -hmm. Rich and whimsical and just ended his engagement with a woman named Jessica, who like on paper should have been a perfect match for him. And Declan just like wasn't feeling it. And called it off very abruptly one interesting thing about the house is that it is very specifically not a plantation house Mm -hmm. the house has very specifically been built post-civil war and was not was there there was not the family living there did not own slaves and it is a very specific thing that is pointed out in the text uh which i can only imagine is is on purpose which is good because if you were to set this in an actual, you know, oper- ha- plantation house that had operated as a plantation with enslaved folks there, I feel like there would be a lot more to unpack. A lot more to unpack. A lot more bad energy ghosts, probably. Yes. yes. Um, and it would it would seem kind of, yeah, there, there would be a lot, a lot more that would need to go into it uh, in order to do it justice. So... I, I I felt weird about the setting until very specifically it says in like the third chapter, like, yeah, like the house was built in like 1882 or something like that after some other properties had burned down and they decided to build this house in the swamp. And yeah, the family were largely dirtbags, but not slave owners. Apparently, at least the- this particular wing of the family yeah Just yeah because i think bags. <laughs> a, a lot of nora robards books have like as a side plot home renovation or like a carpenter or woodworking or something like that and that's not a particular like area of interest of mine and like this kind of home restoration again i'm not that interested in and i think there is a lot of sort of gross like not in Nora Roberts but just sort of like out in the world like a lot of gross like fetishization of these like plantations and like this lifestyle and at least there is this step away from like the grossest part of all that so that's cool I can't believe how many Nora Roberts books have home renovation and it's usually by someone who she mentions maybe did like one project before but then all of a sudden they're totally ready to take on this huge project and just nail it didn't she marry a carpenter? Yeah, I guess she's always had a thing for it then. But anyway. Yeah, because yeah, oh. that is something that we find out about Declan is that prior to his 
uh, buying this house. As I said, he had been a corporate lawyer and he had like renovated his own house <laughs> and like, just decided rooms. that he liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Career change. Yes. Duarte's got a lot to say about this one, huh? <laughs> Duarte, I think, is just picking up on the ghostly energy. As as we know, cats are very sensitive to that. Duarte, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, so. Maybe he's reincarnated. Maybe he's trying oh, to tell you this story means more to him, Renata. Oh, my boy. Uh, so Declan, immediately after um, doing like his first walkthrough of the house, he starts to feel like weird vibes about certain places, kind of like an implied ghostly energy, and he hears a baby crying. Um, so already he's like, well, this house is probably haunted. Or maybe somebody just left a baby upstairs. Yeah. Uh, he feels weird about the third floor, uh, which is, of course, where Abigail was murdered. And just generally, like, loves the house, has felt drawn to the house, but is getting some weird vibes from it. Um, So his BFF Remy comes to visit uh, and check out the place and bring him some food and alcohol and kind of rib him for leaving his lifestyle to come and do this instead. Uh, Remy is about to get married to a woman named Effie. who Who is a librarian. Yes, and Declan goes to meet her in the next chapter and buys her a little gift because that is who Declan is when he sees presents for people. He he is a self-proclaimed like whiz at buying gifts for people and he, he loves buys- antiquing and he loves like a nicely wrapped gift and putting a, a bow on it. It's all very important to him. And he goes to the bar where he is supposed to meet Remy and Effie and immediately sees who this woman who he thinks is the bartender, but turns out to be the owner, uh, Lena, and immediately is in love with her the moment he sees her. He'd seen her the morning before because she was walking her dog. Actually, her grandma's. She was walking a dog on the pond near his estate and he saw her from afar and like lusted from afar but didn't even like and then he got in person and was like oh yeah i was correct to be lusty about this situation yeah he like immediately loses his mind and a thing that i kind of appreciated about it is that like instead of being like weird or coy about it like immediately when she notices he's staring he's like yes i would like when do you get off i would like to go on a date with you i i'm laying all my cards on the table like i think that we should go out and it it just was very like weirdly refreshing to me Declan's and a straight not, shooter and a good communicator yes and and despite when he does that it also at least to me did not feel like creepy Yes, like he's he, not, and it's it's such a fine line because he is very like he's not taking no for an answer, but not in a way that is upsetting, and in a way where like I think also because of the way it's written, like we know that Lena like wants to say yes, but she's just like skittish for her own personal reasons. If she like truly wanted to say no, then it would be a different vibe. But we like know that she wants to say yes, and so it it's nice. Yes. But so when Remy and Effie show up, they're like, oh, yeah, of course, you're in love with Lena. Everyone's in love with Lena. And he's like, no, you don't understand. I'm in love with her. 
Yeah, like, I'm going to marry Lena. Like, this is, I know you don't believe in love at first sight, but I've never felt anything like this. And, like, just start to finish, he consistently is like, no, yeah, we're going to get married. And she's like, um, okay. The one weird part in this book that that really sort of, like, weirded me out was when Remy has to be like, yeah, well, I, you know, took her virginity, just so you know that. (laughs) Yeah. But I like that later on in the book... Lena finds out about it and is like, oh, is that what he said, basically? <laughs> and makes Declan feel bad about it, because he should. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Declan is just, he's just a very interesting, like, weirdly refreshing protagonist, which I feel that yeah. way. I think we, I say that a lot about Nora Roberts' leading men. Um, but he just, well, like, he's real chill. I think, like, in romance um, terms, there's, like, the alpha heroes and the beta heroes, and hers tend to be more, like, the alpha heroes who are, like, more communicative and more, like, have a more feminine energy, which can, I feel like we I want to speed through the plot because I have got to talk about the twist or I'll die. (laughs) (laughs) So let's keep going then. Um, So... Like, there's a lot of chapters of just, like, it's sort of into a circle of a lot of, like, home improvement and, like, a lot of in-depth, like, and then we restored the fireplace and, like, this. And if I can imagine somebody who's interested in that would, like, love these loving descriptions of the home renovations, I did not care about it. Um, But there's a lot of that. And then interspersed with um, ghostly hauntings and sightings and including people like Effie who's a skeptical like librarian and she's very sensible but she sees the horribly murdered ghost of Abby and she's very shaken up about it Declan is like sleepwalking like he has a moment where he experiences a ghostly sighting that's so horrible he like almost passes out and Lena has to be like a nursemaid to him make him a sandwich make him a sandwich what's Rewind a little. Fine. Um, <laughs> I know you want to talk about it, but also you need to also put it in context of who they are. Fine. Which we haven't really learned yet. Um, so when Declan is talking to Lena at the bar, he finds out that um, the reason she was walking her the, a dog by his pond is because her grandmother lives on the land uh, directly behind Manet Hall. So he decides to go over and talk to her grandmother because in his head, she's like a doddering old lady who might need help around the house. And he's very surprised that she's like spry and 60 and like funny. And he like joke flirts with her and um, develops her n- like a really good rapport with her. And- her name's Odette, by the way. Miss yes, Odette. Odette. <laughs> Miss Odette. Thank you. And um, and she's the one who really raised Lena. Like she's more like a mother to Lena, and Lena like really doesn't want to talk about her parents, and it's like clearly a really sore spot for her. Jesus Christ, Duarte wants to talk about the twist ending too. I think. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, um, Declan finds out partially from Remy, um, and partially from Miss Odette and some other sources around town that uh, the Manets who used to own the um, the building that he's renovating uh, were the two brothers, twins and the mother, and that the two brothers uh, died young under weird circumstances and the mother uh, died 
heirless because the child who the rumored grandchild uh, was sent away to live with relatives. Uh, and that would be Abigail and Lucian's daughter, uh, Marie Rose. And uh, Declan starts to dig really deep into the history because he is like sure that it's haunted. And an interesting thing about this is that there really isn't anyone like even Effie, who's like low key skeptical, like everyone just kind of accepts that it's probably haunted and that's fine. And I don't well, know because if that's a New Effie thing. is skeptical, but then she, Remy does say it's New Orleans thing. Like some people say it's because of a New Orleans thing, but like Effie is skeptical until she has her own sighting. Yeah, and and people are just generally like real chill, like oh yeah, it's haunted. That's that's what it's like. Um, as he does renovations, some of the people who are doing the renovations uh, see the ghosts as well, um, and then Declan they're less to- chill about it. <laughs> they're less chill. But as this is going on, um, Declan is kind of wooing Lena, uh, Lena, and Lena um, is very she's very gun shy about being in a relationship. Like she tells him like, okay, like you can take me on a date and this is what a date consists of. And, you know, we can like do this together, but I'm not going to sleep with you yet. And like, as he starts like very effusively being like, I have all these feelings for you and we're meant to be together. She's very like, whoa, like slow down, sir. Right. And she's like, you know, you don't have to talk like that to get me to sleep with you. I already slept with you. And then, I I mean, she's kind of a bitch. Like, she gets mad about things like when it's Mardi Gras and she has to work really late. He comes and, like, helps out and just sort of works as a volunteer bartender or, like, busboy, really. And then afterwards, he gives her a foot rub. And then she falls asleep and he makes coffee in the morning but, like, has to leave early to go do more home renovations. And then she's, like, furious. She's like, what? Like, you... I know you just wanted to have sex with me. So like, why didn't you have sex with me? Why did you let me fall asleep? And he's like, um, you were tired. And she's like, yeah, but men only want sex. So like, what's your game here? And it's like, it's a very strong reaction to like him being a very nice person. Yeah. And he seems pretty sure that someone has hurt her in the past. And for a long time, he mistakenly thinks that there have been other men who have like been with her and broken her heart. Um, And as time goes on, uh, we find out that actually the problem was not with with men who have hurt her, but she was very hurt by her mother, who her mother was uh, a young unwed teenager when she was born and um, she had a drug problem and was a sex worker and kind of abandoned Lena with Miss Odette, her, her grandmother, two weeks after Lena was born and then just took off and then periodically over the years would come back and essentially like ruin Lena's life for a couple days. Like she ruined a birthday party when she was like six, when she was a teenager, she caught her boyfriend sleeping with her mother and like have doing drugs with her. And uh, she'll frequently like come in and claim she's changed and then steal a bunch of stuff and leave. So she's very, just has like a very terrible relationship, obviously with her mother, who's kind of a dirtbag, and very hesitant to form strong connections with people because, you know, this, this person who is supposed to have been the first person she formed a strong connection with is a terrible human being in a flake. Yeah. And she doesn't know who her dad is. And um, her mom, whose name is Lily Beth, 
has told her different things and then eventually confessed that like she was sleeping with so many dudes she doesn't even know who Lena's mom or who Lena's father is. So that's just a question mark. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, in between all of this stuff, every few chapters we get another flashback into the past where it's like unspooling a little bit more of the Lucian and Abby story. But and um, yeah, so so Lucian. His mother and brother tell him the story that they have concocted that Abigail ran away to be with like another lover that she had and that Marie Rose isn't really even his daughter. And for a long time, he doesn't believe it. But eventually, like he kind of wears down and the implication is kind of like he believes it because it's easier to believe that than to like deal with the fact that she's dead somewhere. Um, Mm -hmm. And he sort of gives and meanwhile her friend claudine her friend claudine um feels betrayed by this and she is the one who's raising marie rose the baby yes so we have effie is a librarian as we said and uh she has a ghostly encounter a lot of folks have ghostly encounters in the house uh effie has one and that kind of turns her into a believer and has her do a bunch of research on it uh, Declan has a few where he like almost passes out. He hears the baby crying a lot. Lena has a lot when she's over there. She can hear the same like weird old timey song that Declan hears all the time. And Effie eventually does some research and tells Declan the story of Abigail and Lucian and the Manet family. And he becomes convinced around this time that he is the reincarnation of Lucian and Lena is the reincarnation of Abigail. And that is why they're so drawn to each other. And that is why the house has the effect on them that it does. And that's science. Yeah. (laughs) So throughout all of this, as Renata said, like Lena is a little weird with Declan about things like sex and gifts. He buys her. He's very rich and he buys her like dumb gifts he buys her salt and pepper shakers because she collects them and stupid things like that. And then he buys her a very fancy pair of earrings and she like freaks out on him and thinks that he's trying to like buy sex from her or buy her love. And he's like, no, I've given you gifts before. Like, why won't you take this one? And she's like, cause it's too nice. And he's like, is there like a dollar amount then that you want me to go buy? Like what, how much, what is what is going on here and she like chills out and is like okay that i need to chill a little bit and he's like yeah you kind of do but whatever we'll roll with it and she Um, doesn't even know he bought the earrings because they matched the ring that he bought that he's like this would be the perfect engagement ring for when i proposed to lena and at that point they known each other for like a week or so like it's very maybe a month like very short time but he he's hung on to the ring but he gives her the earrings um, and also at that same store, he bought an engraved pocket watch that was um, for for Lucian from Abbey, like whatever, 1899, like engraved on it. And he felt like called to this pocket watch because, yes. uh, you know, because of his connection to these ghostly spirits. Yeah, he he in the store where he's buying the ring, he's like, oh, like my watch keeps stopping at 1201, which is the time that Abigail was murdered. Um, So I need to buy a new watch. And 
the shop girl takes out like a tray of pocket watches and then like the world goes white and his focus is only on one of them and he knows that that's the one and when he he picks it up he sees the engraving on the back and it's all very spooky listen in his defense i often have that reaction when i look at a tray of pocket watches (laughs) something about pocket watches just makes your world go white (laughs) um so throughout this he uh is visiting lena a lot it's actually a lot of time goes by very quickly in this book yeah Um, and it's marked by just like like mardi gras and like holidays yeah ash wednesday approaching um the approaching wedding of Effie and uh, Remy that everyone is preparing for. And throughout all of this, he's like winning Lena over. He's totally won over Miss Odette. And then one day before work, Lena goes, is in her apartment and goes down to the street and her mother is there, mm-hmm. uh, Lilibet. And Lilibet is like oh well like i'm not doing drugs anymore and like i'm totally clean and i just want to spend time with my favorite daughter and it's very clear that she's doing cocaine that she's high during like, this at conversation. that moment yes yes um got a coke and, nail so yes. <laughs> lena's like you're not gonna fool me with that anymore like you're not gonna stay here i'm gonna give you 50 bucks to take a bus out of town which she gives her the 50 bucks and kicks her out of her apartment and freaks out uh, silently to herself and then um, goes over to Declan's the next day, which is when he gives her the earrings and she freaks out that they're too nice. And afterwards he's like, oh, I'm going to, she's like, I'm going to go visit my grandmother. And he's like, Oh, I want to go with you. Cause I found a gift for her. Cause he loves buying gifts for people that I want to give her. And when they get there, Lilibet is there and there's like a big confrontation where Lena is like, you know, fuck this shit. I'm not being in this house if she's in this house. And Declan like kind of manages to ease everyone's tempers. And uh, the next day, a couple days later, um, short shortly thereafter, um, yes. a lot of things happen. Um, Lilybeth comes over to seduce Declan. And it's this whole description that, you know, she has been working as a sex worker for years and she um, she's no longer very conventionally attractive. And Declan is like sort of tries to be sympathetic to her, but is very firmly like, uh, like, no, I love your daughter and I'm sorry and no. And then she's switches gears and she's going to blackmail and she's like, I looked you up like I can call your mom and. I'm not totally clear like what even she was going to because he's not really doing anything. I guess maybe just like I'm going to let your mom know you're dating the daughter of a trashy sex worker, a.k.a. me. Like, was that her blackmail? I'm going to tell your mom. I love it. She she's under the impression that like Declan's mom, if she finds out Declan's family, if they find out that he's dating like just like a bar owner from the bayou, they'll disown him. And he like, but he knows they won't. And then she says she's going to lie and say that he's also sleeping with her. And he's definitely not going to believe that. 
yeah, they're not going to believe that. And says, like, I'll call your mother. Like, I can find her phone number. And he's like, I'll give it to you. Like, you can call her right now. It's fine. I know she's not going to believe that. And also, she's not going to care, like, who I'm in love with. Also, I'd like to see, I'd like to listen to the conversation that you have with her because she'll rip you in one. <laughs> yes. Um, and she tries to extort money out of him by saying that, you know, someone is after her for money. And if they can't get it from her, they're going to hurt Miss Odette and Lena. And he can immediately tell that she's lying. And he's like, I'm not going to give you money. And even thinks like he would give her money if he knew it was going to shut her up. But he also knows that like Lena would hate him for doing that. So he is just trying to get her out of his house as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. So he goes into town to tell Lena what happened and on the way decides to stop by Remy's office to tell him what happened. Oh, actually, first he calls his mother and tells her about the whole conversation. Yeah, he's like, just FYI, like, I did meet the woman I want to marry. Um, and anyway, <laughs> it's it's a pretty cute conversation. Yes. Um, but he so he goes into Remy's office to tell him everything that happened and when he gets there um effie is in remy's office as well and she's crying and he finds out that there was a fire at their wedding venue so that they can no longer have their wedding there it's in three weeks and there's not going to be enough time to renovate the venue uh to fix all the fire damage so declan's like well why don't you have it at my house like i'm doing good i'm making good progress on the construction you're not going to need the whole house you're just going to need the downstairs and outside the outside's already done like and i think if we all put our nose to the grindstone we can finish the inside by your wedding and she's like excellent like this is the greatest news i've ever heard i love you this is fantastic and remy's like hey wait a minute i'm your fiance don't love me (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they have a really funny charming dynamic that i like very much yes and then he goes to tell lena what happened with her mother and she like freaks out about that and like but it's like no like let's talk this through and figure out you know yeah i mean declan is just extremely reasonable yes he's super chill um meanwhile while declan is having this whole conversation with lena a little bit breaks into his house and steals a whole bunch of things from him, including cash he had on hand, uh, personalized cufflinks, the ring that he was going to use to ask Lena to marry him, um, and puts it all in a box. Also, it's of his. it's barely a break in because this has been a recurring thing throughout the book of just this sort of foreshadowing of like you've got so many workers in and out there's so many doors you didn't even like sometimes he just like straight up leaves the door open because people are coming in and out and people like miss odette and people kind of warn him about it and he's like yeah like whatever like southern hospitality right but then um then it is very easy for him to get robbed yes uh but uh, she but, goes a little bit, goes upstairs to the third floor and which walks is the in most on, like, haunted area. Yes. Uh, walks into the nursery and sees like a ghostly recurrence of uh, Julian killing Abigail and then kind of like gets possessed by Josephine, um, Lucian and Julian's mother and like ha- freaks out over everything happening and runs out of the house. Um so now we're at the twist. Thank God. <laughs> um, by the way, I guess I should also say Odette confronts 
um, Lilybeth about the stealing and the ring and stuff, and that gets resolved as well. Yes, she she shows up um, a few days later at Declan's house and is like, I have to tell you something, and it really hurts me to tell you this, and we're afraid you're not going to look at me the same way, but like my daughter stole, stole all this stuff from you. And gives it to him. And he's like, I don't care. Like, all of it is back. And she's like, I can tell all of it isn't back. He's like, okay, well, the cash is gone. But the but most I'm important thing- rich, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because <laughs> I have more cash. But the most important thing is that she gave me this ring back. Or you found this ring, which is the ring I'm going to use to propose to your granddaughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Once I convince her that she actually has feelings for me. <laughs> yep. Um... Okay, and so throughout this, like, Declan's visitation, like, his dreams, he's sleepwalking, he's having, like, such strong visions, and he is like, Lena, I think that we are the reincarnation of this couple, like, I think you're the reincarnation of Abby, and I think I'm the reincarnation of Lucian, and that's why we were so drawn to each other, and that's why, you know, there's this pain between us, and that's why I was so drawn to this house, and, like, blah, 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 and then she's like, nah, you're the reincarnation of Abby and I'm the reincarnation of Lucian. And it's so funny because Declan was like, Oh, like, Oh, like I can't be the reincarnation of a woman. Women have babies. Yeah. It's very like, and she, she points out, she's like in your ghostly visions, like you hear the baby crying. I've never heard the baby crying. Like she has heard the baby. No one else hears the baby. Lena hears it less. Like, Declan is the most connected to the ghost baby. But, like, she also has heard the baby, which is, like, why he thinks they're the couple. And, but, like, you had, like, the dream where you were waiting for Lucian to come home. Why would you have a dream waiting for yourself to come home? Like, yeah. And also, and one time I saw you sleepwalking, and I could tell you are sleepwalking because your gait was different. And I just realized it's because you were walking as if you were a pregnant woman. Not just pregnant, super pregnant. Soup's pregnant, yeah. <laughs> wow. And and then she's like, and this and this is so funny to me because like throughout this, like all these like very charming traits of Declan, like he, like women be shopping. It's like, oh, it's because you're a reincarnated woman. Like that's why you like shopping. <laughs> that's why you're so detail oriented. Like that's why you're so um, you know, not aggro. It's because you're a reincarnated woman, and that is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, the gender stuff is wild. It is just <laughs> wild. There is a very, it is a very like, oh, like you have these very specific traits because you were a woman in a past life. And I, Lena, have these specific traits because I was a man in a past life. It's hilarious. Yes. It's- like, you know, that's why I have commitment issues because I was a man. And it just, like, I, it raises so many questions about the further worldview. Like, was everyone reincarnated? Has everyone else only ever been, like, their same gender in past lives? Like, this doesn't quite add up, but also it's so funny. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's very, it's very bizarre. And it's very, I mean, it, it was written in 2002. Not to say that gender was less complicated in 2002. Uh, but I feel like there was maybe less mainstream social awareness of it and it it's just it's just fucking wild that's nora man she's a trailblazer (laughs) she sees the future in her books 
who is she in a past life? So many people. <laughs> and I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, um, anyway, uh, Declan's parents have come for the wedding because they're also, fr- like, they're friends with Remy as well. And they have some very cute scenes with Lena and, like, sort of approve of her and this love affair and then a recurring problem with the home renovations has been that this grandfather clock keeps saying it's midnight when it's not actually midnight. It's because the clock's haunted as fuck. <laughs> and then, um, oh, the, oh my gosh. Okay. Claudine was the friend who ended up raising the baby of Abby and Lucian, the couple in the past. And Lucian gave her this watch that he had given to Abby and was like, give it to my daughter when she's old enough. Um, Lena is a descendant of this girl, and so Odette we, gives her. We do, yeah, know we knew that, that like, part very early on. It's established that, like, Remy says, like, oh, yeah, you know, the family that took in the Monet baby supposedly is the Simones, and you know, I'm related to them, and so is Lena. Yes, but, but so she has, she has the watch that was Abby's watch, um, and then they. They exchanged the watches because Declan had bought that pocket watch that was for Lucian. And he's like, well, if you're Lucian, you need this watch. And she's like, well, if you're reincarnated Abby, then you need this watch. Duh. And then after they exchange the watches, it fixed the ghost clock. <laughs> and that's like the end of the book, basically. Wait, um, did you guys catch that Effie is the reincarnated Claudine or Claudette? No. There I is that. that. There is a scene where Effie goes, I just feel like I've let you down somehow. And I don't know oh. why. It just feels like I've let you down. So I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be like. Yeah, that makes sense. Because she had such a strong vision of um, of the house as well, which like mostly people who have those are the ones who are most connected to it. That makes sense. Was Remy somebody reincarnated? I don't And think also so. was Lena's mom like supposed to be Josephine or like she just like picked up the bad vibes and left but she wasn't actually her? I think that was more of like a mirror. Like Josephine was a mirror to her or she was a okay. mirror to Josephine so it was sort of like she looked into it and was like holy shit. Yeah. Oh, they exchange watches and then they go and put flowers on everybody's graves of their like ancestors or reincarnate tours. What do you call the person you have reincarnated as? Is there a noun for that? I, d- I don't know that there. Okay. Is. Well, anyway, they put flowers on those people's graves, and then and they sort of accept each other. It doesn't really end even with like a proposal so much as just a like sense that they've broken the curse and like things will be fine from now on. So. Yeah, they acknowledge that they're going to get married. Lena has this silver key that she wears uh, around her neck that she like claims is the key to her heart and she gives it to him. But yeah, which I thought that jewelry was going to come back and have some sort of, you know, and this I inherited from whoever. And I, I guess it's just a key that she likes. That's fine. Listen, it can't all be uh, Shakespeare. (laughs) It can't all be engraved pocket watches. She's got an engraved key and it just has a message. Yeah. My body's in the swamp. Um, so that, I mean, that's basically it. Like, uh, it's just delight. Like these characters are all charming. There's so many, you know, funny on purpose moments. Like 
just like really kind of sparkling dialogue. Um, I yeah, enjoyed it jokes, very much. The jokes are consistently very good. Um, and like I said, like Declan, his sense of humor, his everything about him is very very funny very chill i know i keep saying that but like he has he constantly he has the vibes of a he has the vibes of a reincarnated housemaid <laughs> <laughs> but he he can diffuse tension really well there's a point um at the bar during Mardi Gras when a bunch of college guys are hitting on Lena and they're like kind of aggressive about it. And he knows she can take care of herself, but he kind of like goes in and like diffuses the tension and is like, ah, like, ha ha. Like, you know, you have good taste because you're flirting with my girlfriend. Uh, You know, so I just wanted to compliment you on having good taste. And they start to get like aggro with him. And he's like, Oh, you're wearing a shirt from the University of Michigan. You must be on spring break. How are you enjoying it? Uh, I have an aunt who teaches at the University of Michigan. Maybe you've heard from I've heard of her like, just like instead of being like, gross and weird and macho about it just kind of like goes in and very smoothly is like, let's not be gross on this young lady like let's all be chill this is a this is another one of the lifetime uh movies that they made there's a movie of this there is i can't i i have trouble imagining watching it because declan is played by jerry o'connell who has a super goofy face to me and so i can't (laughs) imagine him as like the sexy romantic lead but who plays remy I must look into this. Uh, it's not anybody that I'm familiar with, but yeah. So it was one of the movies that were made. I also think that they made Lena and her and Miss Odette like super white when I don't get the sense that they are super white in the book. Oh yeah. They're, they're Creole and they're described as having dusky skin. Yeah. Which to times. me sounds like they should be, you know, not super Mixed white somehow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think Faye Dunaway is Miss Odette. You're correct. <laughs> so, <laughs> but really, if you look at the the picture for the movie, it's just this ridiculous. I don't. I think Jerry O'Connell might be shirtless, and he's like holding the Nina. It's like this most weirdest romantic ro- romance novel cover ever. I'm Googling it right now. The guy who plays know. Remy, his IMDb photo is of the back of his head. Yeah, and it's like a. Or or is he this cropped arm? Oh, <laughs> this is a really bad photo. This is the stupidest IMDb photo I've ever seen. Yes, yeah, so I oh think that God. this was his big role as Remy. So. This fucking cover. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna link to this because it's wild. So I think you should definitely put this on as your Patreon goal. <laughs> yes but it I mean, we survived kinda... gerald's game i think we can do this oh i'm still recovering it was a four-week did... event oh no nora Robert... oh lifetime had a nora roberts month good yeah, for them they made a lot i think they made like eight movies one of them was the one that leanne rhymes left her husband for the actor oh my gosh the whole scandal drama can you, can you imagine breaking up with your husband over the guy you met in the Nora Roberts movie you were playing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And now that's- laughs> I can. Well, I mean, that's what I want. 
Um, okay, let's move on to our, our dramatic ratings and just give you just give you a little taste of this delightful book. Um, and our first one is from chapter one, and this is um this is one of the flashbacks. So we're starting you off in the year eighteen ninety-nine. And um Kate will Kate will be uh Josephine, the mean mom, and I'll be Julian, the evil twin. And I have just murdered Abby. (laughs) Josephine let out a long sigh. He was the child of her heart, but she often despaired of his brain. Never mind, Julian. You know nothing of it. Here. She went to the shifrope? Shifrope? Must be some kind of old-timey thing. And chose a long black velvet cloak. Wrap her in this. Hurry. Do it. She said in a tone that had him getting to his feet. His stomach pitched and his hands trembled, but he wrapped the body in velvet as best he could while his mother stuffed things in a hat box and train case. In her rush, she dropped a brooch of gold wings with a small enameled watch dangling from it. The toe of her slipper struck it so that it skittered into a corner. We'll take her into the swamp. We'll have to go on foot and quickly. There are some old paving bricks in the garden shed. We can weigh her down with them. And the gators, she thought, the gators and the fish, would do the rest. Even if she's found, it's away from here. The man she ran away with killed her. She dabbed her face with the handkerchief in the pocket of her robe and smoothed a hand over her long gilded braid. That's what people will believe if she's found. We need to get her away from here, away from Manet Hall, quickly. She was beginning to feel a little mad herself. There was moonlight. She told herself there was moonlight because fate understood what she was doing and why. She could hear her son's rapid breathing and the sounds of the night, the frogs, the insects, the night birds, all merging together into one thick note. It was the end of the century, the beginning of the new. She would rid herself of this aberration to her world and start this new century, this new era, clean and strong. There was a chill in the air made raw with wet. But she felt hot, almost burning hot, as she trudged away from the house, laden with the bags she'd packed and weighed down. The muscles of her arms, her legs, protested, but she marched like a soldier. Once, just once, she thought she felt a brush against her cheek, like the breath of a ghost. The spirit of a dead girl who trailed beside her, accusing, damning, cursing her for eternity. Fear only made her stronger. Here. She stopped and peered out over the water. Lay her down. Julian obeyed, then rose quickly, turned his back, and covered his face with his hands. I can't do this, Mama. I can't. I'm sick. Sick. He tumbled towards the water, retching, weeping. Useless boy, she thought, mildly annoyed. Men could never handle a crisis. It took a woman, the cold blood and clear mind of a female. Josephine opened her cloak, laid bricks over the body. Sweat began to pour down her face, but she approached the grisly task as she would any other, with ruthless efficiency. She took the rope out of the hat box, carefully tied around the cloaked body, top, bottom, and middle. Using another, she looped the line through the handles of the luggage, knotted it tight. She glanced over to see Julian watching her, his face white as bone. You'll have to help. I can't get her into the water alone. She's too heavy now. I was drunk. That's correct, Julian. You were drunk. 
Now you're sober enough to deal with the consequences. Help me get her into the water. He felt his legs buckle and give with each step like a puppet's. The body slid into the water almost soundlessly. There was a quiet plop, a kind of gurgle, and then it was gone. Ripples spread on the surface, shimmered in the moonlight, then smoothed away again. She's out of our lives, Josephine stated calmly. Soon she'll be like those ripples, like she never was. See that you clean your boots thoroughly, Julian. Don't give them to a servant. She slid her arm through his, smiled, though her smile was just a little wild. We need to get back, get some rest. Tomorrow's a very busy day. I, like I said, Nora Roberts had one bitch of a mother-in-law at some point. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to jump way forward in the narrative to when um, Lena and Declan are getting to the bottom of their reincarnation drama. And Christine will be Declan and Kate will be Lena. And it's going to be a good time. All right. Declan. She took his face in her hands. There's nothing for me to remember. You hang witch bottles out in my tree, but sit here denying any possibility of reincarnation, which you brought into the mix in the first place? That's not what I'm doing. There's nothing for me to remember because I'm not Abigail. You are. She might as well have slipped on a pair of brass knuckles and plowed her fist into his stomach. The shock of her words had him reeling. Get out. That's not possible. Why not? Because, flustered, oddly embarrassed, he pushed to his feet. You're trying to say I was a girl? I don't know why that's such a shock to your system. A lot of us get along just fine, female. I don't. I'm not. I wasn't. It makes the most sense if any of this makes sense. No sense. None. No way. You're the one who keeps hearing the baby cry. She'd never seen him quite so flustered. Mothers do before anyone else, and you're drawn to that room upstairs the way a mother would be to her baby. Even though the room scares you, you're pulled back. And you said you wandered through the servant's wing? How easy it was to find your way. She'd have known it, but why would Lucian? It was his house. But he remembered how he had, he'd imagined looking out the window, imagined seeing the two men riding toward the house. Why would he imagine seeing Lucian riding home if he'd been Lucian? A couple other things. One telling one. That day when I came along and saw you walking towards the pond, trance-like, you walked oddly. I couldn't figure out what it was about the way you walked that struck me. But now I know. You were walking the way a very pregnant woman walks, waddling a bit. A hand pressed to the small of your back. Small, careful steps. Now you're saying I wasn't just a girl, but a pregnant girl? Oh, for heaven's sake, Cher. Some people believe you can come back as a poodle. What's so bad about being a pregnant woman? Because pregnant women go into labor at a certain point, then have to push several pounds of baby out of a very limited space. The horror on his face was comical and enough to have her relaxing into the theory. I don't think you'll have to repeat the performance in this life. Have you considered that if you look at this puzzle from this new angle, you might find the answers you want? He found himself wanting to rub at his crotch just to make sure everything was where it should be. Maybe work up a good manly belch. I like it better the other way. Keep an open mind, Cher. I've got to get back to work. Wait a minute, wait a minute, he dashed after. You're just going to drop this bombshell on me, then leave? 
I've got to work for a living. Come back after closing. Stay. I need to stay at Grandmama's for a night or two, till she's feeling steadier. Okay, okay. He let out a breath when they reached the main floor. Let me try this. He spun her around, crushed his mouth to hers, then took the kiss dreamy and deep. You didn't get any lesbian-type vibe from that, did you? He asked when he drew back. (laughs) I mean, did you, Kate? I mean, yes, but only because you're a lesbian. So that's how it works, I think. I'm not sure. This book has me questioning all sorts of things. (laughs) Who were you reincarnated as? Or from? What? (laughs) That should have been the question. Sorry. All right. And then uh, our last dramatic reading is from near the end of the book when Declan is and Remy are coming home from Remy's bachelorette party. Bachelor yeah. party. You're right. Well, well Declan well. is reincarnated. <laughs> but who's Remy? I don't know. I guess I guess it would still be a bachelor party for Remy's sake. That's fair. Um anyway, I, I'll be I'll be Declan and Christine will be Remy. And and it's just going to be a good time until the hangover hits. <laughs> All right. As host of Remy's bachelor party, Declan felt socially obligated to stay till the bitter end. The bitter end was some dingy backstreet dive in the quarter where the liquor burned holes in what was left of a man's stomach lining and the strippers were woefully past their prime. Nobody seemed to care. In the spirit of good fellowship, Declan tucked a final dollar in the frayed garter on a flabby white thigh, then hauled a glassy-eyed Remy to his feet. Let's go, pal of mine. Huh? What? Is it morning? Close enough. As they stumbled out, arm in arm as much for necessity as friendship, Remy looked around. His head bopped like a puppet's on a jerk stream. String. On a jerked string. Whatever. Where is everybody? Passed out, in jail, dead in an alley. Oh, wimps. Remy grimmed his rubber grin. You and me, Zach, we still got it. I'm starting a course of antibiotics in the morning to get rid of it. He tripped and had to wrap both arms around Remy to keep from falling on his face. Too much gravity. There's entirely too much gravity out here. Let's go find us another naked woman. I think we found all of them already. Time to go home, old buddy, old pal. I'm getting married in three days. Remy held up four fingers to demonstrate. No more carousing for Remy. He looked around. The streets were nearly deserted and oily with the light drizzle. Do we have to bail anybody out? Screw him. Damn right. Where's my girl? Effie! He shouted it and the name echoed back, making Declan snort drunkenly. Stella! Cracked it by his own wit, he sat down hard in a puddle. Fuck it, Remy, let's just sleep here. Gotta go find my girl. Gotta make sweet, sweet love to my Effie. (laughs) You couldn't get it up right now with a hydraulic pump. Bet? Remy fumbled for his zipper and Declan had just enough brain cells left to stagger up and stop. Put that thing away before you hurt yourself. Get us arrested for decent exposure. Okay, we're lawyers. Speak for yourself. Find cabs. We must find cabs. Cabs, Effie. 
Where's my Russian bride? Home in bed, like every other good woman is at. He lifted Remy's wrist, tried to focus on the watch. Whatever o'clock in the morning. Lena, she's in bed. She thinks I'm a woman. You must not be fucking her right then. No, you ass. And remind me to punch you for that later. She thinks I'm Abigail. You haven't been trying on her underwear or anything weird like that, have you, son? I like the little late... Oh, God. I don't know why I can't read. Uh, I am Rob Lowe reincarnated. Uh, And it's weird because he is still alive. I like the little black lace panties with the roses best. They slim down my hips. Pretty sure you're joking. Wait. He stopped, leaned over the curb, hand braced on his knees, then slowly straightened again. False alarm. Not gonna puke. There's good news. Cab. Declan waved desperately when he saw one cruising. In the name of God, you first, he said, and all but shoved Remy inside before diving in after. Where do I live? Remy demanded. I used to know, but I forgot. Can I call Effie and ask her? Fortunately, Declan remembered, and as Remy snoozed on his shoulder, he concentrated on remaining conscious until he fulfilled the last of his duties and got his friend home alive. Oh, the end. And then they got married. Then they got married. This should really be a love story about Remy and Declan. (laughs) You know, we cut it off there just because it got a little long, but it does end with Remy giving him a goodnight kiss and saying that if he'd been Abigail, he would have slipped him tongue. Yeah, we really, we should have. We should have kept going. Why did we cut that out? Because it was long. That's but you know what? Now you know. <laughs> you know. Remy, what's going to... Remy kissed Declan, but now the tongue because he's not Abigail. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Um, I love these letters. books so much. <laughs> just some chill bros just making out in a cab. No big deal. Listen. Bros before hoes. Bros before hoes. But also hoes are very important too. Yeah, bros before reincarnated wives. I guess it doesn't have a good <laughs> ring to it. Uh, let's let's play. Would you rather? Would you rather own a bar or own a haunted mansion? A bar, because then I could get free drinks. But the haunted mansion would only want me to make me want to drink. Mm-hmm. See, it'll work out well because I'm going to want the Haunted Mansion, obviously. So if you own the bar and I own the Haunted Mansion, then you could still visit the Haunted Mansion if you ever feel the need to because it'll be there. But you won't have to live there because I'm going to live there. I'm going to live in a Haunted Mansion. Listen, I dream. can't. I just can't imagine ha- going through childbirth either in real life or in a reincarnated <laughs> life. And I just don't want to have to go to a house to experience that. Yeah. I mean, you know, most businesses do fail. So there's a chance that the bar won't make you any money, but the haunted mansion is definitely going to cost money to, you know, upkeep it and whatnot. Unless you combine the two and make Unless a haunted, a haunted bar. bar. Yes. That's where there would be a market for that. Yeah, that's um, you know, I I'm gonna own I'll own a bar, but I'm gonna make it a cat bar, 
which is like a cat cafe, but with um, alcoholic drinks. For and men, I'm sure they'll be fine and not have any problems at all. For a minute, I was concerned you were going to say you were going to serve cats instead of tea. And I was like, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Oh, it's I'm going to own a milk bar as seen in uh, the Tom Hooper Cats movie. <laughs> it will serve only milk to cats. Listen, Skimbleshanks is a bop. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but I just recently learned that. Skimbleshanks is um, a bop. <laughs> yeah, I know, Kate. <laughs> You're very passionate about it. Oh. oh, boy. Listen, we can only recommend cats under the influence of a lot of alcohol, so. Which it was fabulous under the influence of a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Would you rather watch cats or be a reincarnate? <laughs> oh my god, cats is the cat version of this book. Oh yeah, because the cats do reincarnate. Yeah. And McCavity is definitely <laughs> Josephine. <laughs> and Remy's wedding is the Jellico Ball. It all adds up. Oh shit. Don't we don't check my math, guys. but it definitely does add up. <laughs> we solved the mystery, guys. Uh, we'll have to notify Scotland Yard immediately. <laughs> we went to a lot of they've been looking. They've been looking for McCavity. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> would you rather be the reincarnation of someone of a different gender of your own, or be a skeptical librarian? Aren't you already a skeptical librarian? I'm actually a very credulous librarian. <laughs> um when you put it that way when you put it skeptical versus credulous i think i'd go with reincarnation of someone of a different gender because i don't care one way or the other but i i don't like that that's dumb and i don't care and it doesn't mean anything but also like if the what i feel like then it really comes down to is the skeptical part of the librarian and I, I too find myself very credulous, and I enjoy being very credulous. So, yeah. which it would be being a Scully librarian versus being a Mulder librarian. Yes. What if Mulder was the reincarnated? No, I lost it. They did that. They there was there. an episode. That. There was an episode about reincarnation. <laughs> yeah. Um. But what was it like in a past life? Mulder and Scully were like brother and sister or something. Ooh, I think something like that. They they were both in the Civil War. Yeah, but the point was like that they were always close to each other in whatever forms they took. Yeah, just a slightly different closeness. (laughs) Yeah, but Scully Scully didn't believe it obviously because she's a skeptic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I'm gonna go with the librarian because under no circumstances do I want to be a dude. Even if it's just yeah. past memories, because then uh, there's a lot of stuff that dudes do that I don't want to just suddenly remember. That's true. Like Deacon was all offended about childbirth, but there's a lot of things that I just don't want to imagine. And I'm not even going to put them into this podcast. <laughs> well, I guess I'll say I'll, I'll be the reincarnation of of someone of a different gender and it doesn't have to be a man like it could be a, maybe i was a gender queer person and now oh, i man. see what you did there 
Yeah, Nora Roberts didn't know, but I know that that's possible. <laughs> um, but also, I I like that because my my ultimate goal is to be reincarnated as a house cat, so I can just like sleep in the sun for twenty hours a day, and it's totally socially acceptable. So if I have been reincarnated in the past, then that implies that in my next go around, maybe I can, maybe I can get to cat, and that would be ideal. Do you have your ticket to the Jellicle Ball? Well, not yet, but I'll get it when I reincarnate. Maybe that's what Duarte has been trying to give you this entire time. <laughs> and by the way, I do want to say for anyone who is listening and being like, why don't you just shut the door and keep Duarte out while he's like throwing this fit? He can open doors and it would have done no good. Uh, he He's a little macavity himself, to be he honest. He's a velociraptor there. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, good game. Let's move on to Reader's Advisory and suggest some stuff to read uh, instead of or in addition to this book. Uh, I will say, of course, we do recommend this. We do recommend any Nora Roberts. Uh, if you are in the mood for some some charming romance. I, was, I think Christine. Uh, well, I was just going to say, yeah, Christine has some specific Nora Rex. I was thrown by this reincarnation situation, but I looked into it and I guess like reincarnation is a a genre of romance and there's just like whole lists of more reincarnation romance. And I feel like I'm sort of skeptical about this concept in the hands of other authors, but I don't know. And if you're into that, maybe they're good. Well, I just don't know. You can always trust Nora Roberts hand and she does a lot of maybe not always reincarnation, but a lot of descendants. So there's always like, she likes to tie the past and the future together, sometimes in strange ways. (laughs) Um, But if you really like the home renovation part of this and the slightly spiritual aspect, uh, aspect, then I would recommend Tribute. Um, She has a trilogy called In the Garden that has some landscaping, but a super haunted manor house. And that deals with three women and a kind of psychotic the psychotic ghosts that they try and figure out. Uh, And then a newer book called Undercurrents that has home and landscaping renovation and a shit ton of personal trauma, if that's what you really like. So again, Uh, great. Something for everyone. If you like the Witcher, Norm Roberts has a Witcher book. (laughs) I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I'm sure she's got it. Well, she definitely has like a witch trilogy or something. Yeah. But I don't know what The Witcher is about. Is it about witches? No. If not, it's misleading. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, no. If you're looking for a grumpy person that is tagged along by a charming musical annoyance, I'm sure one of her books has that. Is that what The Witcher is? Yeah, basically. Okay. With a lot of boning and gore. Oh, maybe I'll watch The Witcher. You should. It's great. I mean, it's not. Um, but what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, Kate, you got anything? Uh, Kate, do no, you know what The Witcher is? I I do know what The Witcher is. <laughs> I don't have any recommendations. Let me just say, The Witcher has like six books, and it gets a Netflix series. Nora Roberts has two hundred and fifty books and no Netflix series, and I'm still angry about it. What would it? Thanks for my TED talk. What would it be even? I mean, just like more like lifetime style movies or could, 
could we create like the greater Nora-verse where like all these characters are kind of friends with each other in like a love actually kind of way or like the inter- like what what are you envisioning what's your pitch okay so listen first of all there's the whole in-depth series that would be a great series oh but yes correct yes she does have a lot of times in books you'll read things other characters from other books will show up and you'll be like oh didn't i read about this person in and it'll be like Declan could be like somebody's lawyer in another book and it would just be like a passing reference but it does happen Especially when she goes back to certain areas like Boston, um, Baltimore, like she go, she'll go back to these areas, and sometimes these characters will run into each other. So she's basically yeah, the, the last one we read had a Boston lawyer too, right? Anyway, I think so. I don't one hundred percent remember. It definitely was Boston adjacent. But I don't remember if there were any lawyers in it. The last one we read, Angel's Fall? No, no. I think the other one we read, because last year we did two... Oh, two years ago. Oh, yeah, because last year we did the year the one. magic one. Is year one the Witcher? <laughs> yeah, year one could be the Witcher. Okay. Not a, <laughs> Glad um, we got to the bottom of that. Um, you're welcome. All right. Oh, I had one that I wanted to say and I got distracted. Sorry. Shockingly. Um, this is not like a, a romance novel. It's not like a true read alike for Nora Roberts, but I did just read The Yellow House by Sarah Broom, which is a memoir of uh, the author growing up in East New Orleans, which is like the poorer and um, largely black area. I mean, there's, you know, a lot of people in color in New Orleans in general, but apparently like way more in East New Orleans. Um, and it's about, as you can guess from the title, the history of the house that she grew up in and the history of the house and then what happened to the house after Hurricane Katrina. And it's sort of a, a local history of her neighborhood and her family. And it's just um, like it's beautifully written. It's a really compelling kind of family saga. And so if specifically um, you're interested in, in some New Orleans, some not exactly house renovation, but house history. Um, it's just a really good read. So if you want something sort of adjacent, but not, not a Roman symbol, um, that's The Yellow House by Sarah Broom. All right. So we'll have that list and maybe some other ones we didn't get around to talking to up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And we'll move on now to our candy pairing where we'll suggest a candy or treat to accompany this book. Uh, and I took the easy way out and I picked beignets, which are a New Orleans tasty treat. And um, just like this book, they're uh, delicious, but also um, it's kind of an, kind of nonsense to eat them. And you end up with powdered sugar all over yourself. And um, you're just, just kind of like how this book had kind of a bit of a nonsense ending. And you at the end, you like look down, and you're like, what just happened? I don't know. There's powdered sugar everywhere and reincarnations. Um, but I I enjoyed it start to finish. I picked rum candy. I have no idea what rum candy is, but it has <laughs> the word rum in it, which made me think of New Orleans, which I've also never been to and know nothing about. So oh, you should you should read the Yellow House. Oh, cool. Does it have rum in it? Probably. Sweet. <laughs> uh, and I picked the French seventy five, which is not a candy, but rather a beverage. And uh, given it's, you know, vaguely New Orleans adjacent, uh, 
I mean, it's not... got French in the name. Yeah. Yes. Cher. And a lot of this book took place in a bar. And there we go. It's a good <laughs> cocktail if you like gin and champagne, which I do. It's actually what I normally drink when we do our drunk episodes. And by the way, we are sober this one, just sort of uh just drunk on Nora Roberts and life in general. Yeah, think of how much better this episode could have been if we were all just- Think of how much better think of how much worse we could have been at reading <laughs> is mostly just- <laughs> Um. All right, that sounds delicious, everyone. Let's move on to the rock paper snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be of here in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be in this book. Um, I also want to mention very quickly, and Christine will decide which makes the book better, or can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. Um, the last time I saw my mom, she made a reference to um, the rock, paper, snicket, which I like very much. And I think sometime we could do like an alternate version where instead of Wolverine, I do Lemony Snicket. But uh, that's not today. Today we are doing snicked, which is the sound that Wolverine's claws make when they come out of his body. Just to, <laughs> just to refresh you on that. All right. Uh, so if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in this book, uh, he would be one of the handy people that Declan hires to work on the house. And he would have just his own little romance in the background. He'd fall in love with one of the other workers. And uh, they would maybe be sort of pushed together by some of the ghosts in the house who have kind of like gotten into their little romantic soap opera going on in the background. And then they'd admit their feelings uh, at Remy and Effie's wedding. And it would all be very romantic. Uh, It would be like a good B plot to this book. That's a and by the way, Netflix, take notes, please. Um, if Wolverine were in this book, of course, um, he, we all know that he is friends with Remy because they were uh, X Men together, and so he would come and uh, attend the wedding where he would drink a lot and give like kind of a terse but entertaining toast about what a good X Men gambit is. F- footage not found, but it would be, it would be fun. <laughs> Gambit is the best X Men. By the way, I I love Gambit, but he is rarely very useful. Uh, What does that have to do with anything? Yeah, great, great point. Um, Anyway, that would be the the gist of Wolverine's speech. Um, Then afterwards, uh, he would wander off into the bayou and wrestle an alligator. Uh, Both excellent choices. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Wolverine because I did read that comic arc with the alligator wrestling, so I feel like it just slips real neatly in. And also, <laughs> I feel like if if he busted in with the alligator, maybe right as Declan and Lino were giving each other the watches, that would have <laughs> added like a real punch to the ending. That maybe it was missing. oh, and then because because then a, the alligator could eat the watches and then have like a Peter Pan kind of vibe or i was yeah. thinking if it like spit up like abigail's head or something <laughs> yeah, that too that also uh, just yeah a lot of potential from the alligator so there's two there's two different ways obviously it could have gone <laughs> choose your own alligator adventure yeah now see see netflix uh, call us 
It's like, um, oh, it's like that Black Mirror episode where you could choose your own ending, but it's just you get to that point and you can pick if the alligator eats the watch or coughs at the head. <laughs> and those are the only choices. I mean, what other choices could there be? This is going to break records. <laughs> Okay. Um besides besides call us Netflix, what do we think the moral of the story is? Uh my moral is definitely that mothers are super good at organizing weddings because Effie's mom just comes in and puts everybody in line and then obviously they're also super good at covering up murders because you I mean look at Josephine, she's just a stone cold fox. Yeah, Josephine did what she had to do. Yeah, she got uh, shit done. That alligator's not going to ruin it for her. <laughs> uh, my moral of the story is um, bad men, unless they are reincarnated women. Yeah. That would solve a lot of problems. And my moral of the story is I forgot to write one down. Um, <laughs> so my moral of the story is do your homework before two hours before it's due. Because you'll probably do a better job than I did doing my homework for this episode. Oh, I thought you were relating it to the book. And I was like, what? Who needed to do their... Is that a renovation? Yeah, well, you remember the flashback to when Remy and and Declan were in law school and they didn't do their homework. And somebody died. Yeah, that's right. And somebody died. (laughs) And Remy went to class and was like, an alligator ate my homework. And then the alligator picks up his homework later. And the homework was blank because he didn't even do it before the alligator ate it. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Perfect. Flawless. And now it's time for Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte will continue to share his opinions about the book. I sincerely don't know why he was so chatty today, except that Nora Roberts is great and he just wants to express that. All right, um, Duarte, I think you are right. Nora Roberts does kind of have a dog bias. There were multiple dogs in this book and no cats. And honestly, Lena has real um, cat Catwoman vibes, I think. Um, and I would agree that probably it would have been a good idea to give Effie a cat. I mean, I know that that's a stereotype, but I do know a lot of librarians who own cats. So that would have been a nice way to just kind of like slide that in there. But you know, again, you'll just have to take this in your own hands and uh, write some fan fiction. Listen, Duarte, I wanted I want to let you know that next time we'll read a book about magic because the magic books always have cats in it because obviously cats can do magic and dogs can't. Obviously. Um, also, finally, Duarte, thank you so much for that timely reminder that Skimbleshanks is a bop. Skimbleshanks is a bop! <laughs> I just- and... Guys, I didn't mention Blue Apron this time. (laughs) (laughs) And, Dorothy, I'm sorry that you can't seek employment as a railway cat, but um, you're a podcaster cat, and that's arguably A cat of the podcast station. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Do any humans have any closing thoughts about Midnight Bayou? I don't have closing thoughts about Midnight Bayou, but here's one more thing about cats. <laughs> if Andrew Lloyd Webber were to write a sequel to Cats in the vein of Love Never Dies, there would definitely be a podcaster cat. 
Kind right. of was all. Kind of was all. <laughs> and it would be it would be brought to you by a milk bar, <laughs> and brought to you by um, Taylor Swift friend Catnap. Dear Lord. <laughs> enter um, promo code Bombalarina, <laughs> and no one will successfully enter it. <laughs> we've gone, we've gone down a dark path. This is how this is how gender reincarnation happens. So messing around with cats and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Next thing you know, you're pushing a baby out through your brain. Oh well, if you would like to discuss that troubling concept with us online, uh, you can like us or facebook.com slash worst bestsellers. We're on Twitter at worst bestseller with no s because josephine uh put that s in the bayou and the alligator ate it and we have not been able to get that alligator to cough it back up um and into twitter for us just yet jerk i know what's he even doing with that um finally we do have a goodreads group um which is best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on goodreads you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, any of the podcast places. You know what they are. Uh, if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. If you rate and review, it pushes us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review, we're going to haunt you very specifically with a baby crying in the middle of the night. So it'll just like wake you up every night and then not even be there. So that's going to be real annoying real fast. Uh, you could also pledge to support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation. It goes to us to do things like buy new equipment and pay our editor and do our web hosting. And in uh, exchange, you get some nice little things like a monthly newsletter or a thank you card in the mail or access to discounted merch. Speaking of merch, if you would like some to wear on your body with our podcast stuff on it, you can find it by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. By the way, if you enjoyed Kate and I talking about skimble shanks and you're not one of our Patreon patrons, you did miss out on our newsletter, our monthly newsletter, where uh, we talked about cats a lot this month. Um, but we the good news is, we did talk about cats. You know what? There's a lot to say about cats, and <laughs> there's nothing to be done about it. Um, but uh, if you subscribe now, you can get into the archive and you can read that cats newsletter whenever you want. And we also talked about things besides cat, but mostly cats. Guys, I yes. really appreciated how when Kate was talking about the haunted baby sounds, Duarte was just in the background <laughs> doing his best haunted baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was real meta. So, Dorothy, thank you for that excellent Foley work. Um, Patreon money does go toward Dorothy's audio school training. Uh, he's crushing it. Uh, finally, um, if you want to follow just me personally on Twitter, where I often do post pictures of Dorothy, I'm at Renata Snacks. If you want to follow me personally on Twitter, where I talk a lot about Dave Malloy musicals, I'm at 14 across. And if you want to follow me on the internet, I suggest you just download this episode and listen to it on repeat, because that's the only way you're going to hear it. <laughs>
she's in and out like a ghost in a haunted house. That's what she said? Yeah. Uh, I... This is still a little bit up in the air, but I believe in two weeks we'll be back at you with Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis, um, which should be should be so much to talk about. Oh, so, yes. Much, so much less enjoyable, I feel, than this point, movie. What if you just read another Nora Roberts book? Counterpoint, what if we just change the whole concept of our podcast to just the Nora Roberts cast? I mean, and we talk about it a lot. Counter counterpoint: What if we all quit our jobs, moved to her town, and just took up living across the street from her? Yeah, I'm sure in Boonesboro is hiring. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we have a lot of skills that would translate well to in running stuff. It needs a cat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I have marketable skills. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um, well, Christine, thanks for joining us again and, and choosing this excellent, relatable gem of a book for us. Yeah, I look forward to watching the movie with you guys. Let me know when it's uh Yes. When you're ready. Yes. Um, and thanks to all of you for listening, and um we'll we'll see you on the internet or when I haunt your mansion. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Laters.